Does what's going on in your nation politically, socially, environmentally or in any other area of your society concern you? Well, be encouraged. You not only have been given the power, but also the responsibility to change what's going on in your nation. Hello and welcome to Faith Talks. I'm your host, Emily Preston, and in these podcasts, we will be discussing how to practically apply the principles found in the Word, or how to be a doer of the Word, so that you can start seeing more of the manifestation of God's grace in every area of your life. Hello everybody, welcome back to Faith Talks where we learn how to walk by faith through grace. Today is part two of my teaching, You Are Involved in Politics, the believer's responsibility to pray for their nation. And we've been talking about why it's so important for believers to pray over their nation. And just an update on my last session where I talked about the fires and the things that we've been standing against here in Australia. The good news is, is that lots of rain has been falling right now outside where I am in Brisbane. It's a very cloudy, drizzly day and I know that over across uh, many parts of the nation rain has been falling and the fires are being snuffed out but even though we are seeing signs of the effectiveness of our prayers we're still not giving up because God says not to look to the right or to the left so even when things are looking good we still continue to hold fast to our confession of faith continue to stand in our authority because we don't bring our faith in from the field until the full harvest is seen so actually that can be applied in any area that you are believing God for we do not pull our faith in from the field until the full harvest is seen. So praise God for the rain. Praise God the fires are being put out and are extinguished. Praise God this drought is broken in Jesus' name, but we continue to make our declarations of faith until we see the full resolution of this issue. And even in that, uh, I still believe that we conti- we should be continuing to pray over this nation every day and declaring that this that no weapon formed against this nation shall prosper. And then that way, we never have to go through a time of crisis again. And I actually believe that so strongly that, you know, if we make, if us believers who know our authority, we know who we are in Christ Jesus, we know that we can speak to the mountain, we can speak to situations and circumstances and they have to bow their knee. If we make a concerted effort every Every day to spend time in prayer for our nation we don't have to go through times of crisis things will sound like they're going to start up there'll be whispers and rumors that things are going to start up but we'll put our foot on their neck as soon as they're mentioned and they won't even get a chance to take root and so that is one of the reasons why God has instructed me to teach this series is because I absolutely believe that this is something that the church has to come back to. We have to start operating in the authority that God has given us, particularly where our nations are concerned, because what goes on in our nation affects every area of our life, either directly or indirectly. And you may not see any immediate evidence of the things going on in your nation 
affecting you. But if we don't put a stop to things when they start eventually down the road, they will affect us. And our religious or our freedom to worship God will be effective. Our moral voice will be silenced and our privileges will be taken away from us because Satan is very sly and he's very subtle and he doesn't come in full force all at once and say, right, let's strip all the Christians of their uh, freedoms and their right to worship God. He gets his foot in there very subtly and very slyly and slowly takes ground an inch at a time. And before you know it, you know, a big chunk of our life has been affected. And so it's so important. I urge you, uh, you guys who are listening, I urge you, I encourage you to take five minutes a day and just declare the word of God over your nation. Take your authority as a believer. And that's the purpose of this series is to really emphasize why it's so important to pray for our nation, who is responsible, and most importantly, how. I never leave you, hopefully, without the tools and the principles that are so important in in putting into practice the things that we talk about, because we can learn all about why we have to do things and what we have to do, but the most important thing is how do we do that. So uh, I will be concluding this series, of course, with the hows, how to pray effectively for our nation. So today we'll uh, try and get into that but I have a feeling I'm going to run out of time before we get to the how but still I want to lay the foundation on this subject of why it's our responsibility to pray for our nation and all of the things that go along with that so last week we started with the who our key scripture is 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 to 4 where Paul is speaking he's exhorting Timothy and he says therefore I exhort first of all that supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and all who are in authority that we we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God what is good and acceptable in the sight of God that we live a quiet and peaceable life and that we pray for kings and all in authority why because he desires that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth and it's not going to happen all men aren't going to come to a knowledge of the truth unless the gospel is preached freely uninterrupted and unhindered and the gospel is not going to be preached uninterrupted and unhindered unless we have a government and systems in place that support that and that is a result of godly people believers interceding and praying over our nation so that the gospel is preached without hindrance and so that's our foundational scripture for this series last week we talked about who is responsible and it's the church's responsibility and we talked about how jesus described the church as the salt and the light and we went into all of the reasons why he compares the church to salt and light so if you haven't listened to part one of this series i encourage you to do so because we've laid a bit of a foundation into who's responsible and why we're responsible and so today we're going to talk about what what are we responsible for and if you haven't already guessed we are responsible for praying for our nation for praying for the kings and all in authority now I'm going to go into a little bit of detail as to why um, why prayer is so important last week we talked about the responsibilities of the church and how Jesus called in Matthew he called the church church the salt and the light and we went into detail as to what salt is and what light is and why the church is compared to salt and light and so here in this passage in Timothy 
Paul is giving instructions to Timothy, who was the head pastor of the church in Ephesus at that time. So he was the first pastor. So the instructions that Paul was giving Timothy, he expected Timothy to then go and implement those instructions in the church and in the churches that were built and established as a result of that church branching out. And Paul would have known the words of Jesus. He would have known that Jesus called the church the salt and the life, the light, excuse me. And he would have known the job description that Jesus had given the disciples and the church, and so would have Timothy. And so with that in mind, with Paul and Timothy both knowing the responsibility of the church, the role of the church, Paul is now urging Timothy or urging the church that supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and all who are in authority now there's an interesting detail in the history of this scripture at the time that Paul was writing this to Timothy the Roman emperor was Nero Nero he was the king he was the person in the highest position of authority in that nation at that time now I don't know if you are familiar with Nero but Nero was one of the most cruel persecutors of Christians in history just to give you a bit of an idea of how terrible and ruthless Nero was just after the crucifixion of Jesus, a fire broke out in Rome, which destroyed three quarters of the city. Okay, and the Romans, because Nero was absolutely, he was an absolute nutcase, and the Romans were blaming Nero for the fire, which destroyed nearly the most part of the city. And so instead of Nero taking the blame, he began to blame the Christians or the Christ followers who were very unpopular in the city at that time. Okay, so he began to tell the Romans that it was the Christians who were responsible for the fire. And then the blame then shifted from Nero onto the Christians and rounding up Christians became a sport for Nero and his supporters. And Christians were arrested, tortured. They were thrown alive to wild animals to be torn apart and eaten. They were crucified. And this is horrendous. They were even dipped in wax and set on fire. And I think that's where the term Roman candles came from. So terrible, horrible awful things were happening to the Christians and the the persecution against the church was absolutely horrendous at the time and this was the persecution that was facing the church and this is the kind of government that was in power at the time that Paul was writing this to Timothy but what does Paul encourage Timothy to do he doesn't tell him to flee the city he doesn't tell him to renounce Christianity or try and keep it under wraps as much as possible. He doesn't tell him to march up and down the streets protesting their persecution. He is urging and exhorting and encouraging Timothy to pray, to pray for the, for Nero, for the kings and all in authority. That is remarkable. And see, because he knew the power and effectiveness of prayer. And Paul would have known that 
you know, he's the one that wrote the scripture that we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. We, he knew, and Timothy knew that their wrestle was not with Nero, but there were spiritual forces behind the persecution, behind the attacks. There were demonic spirits that would be influencing Nero. And that is why Paul is urging Timothy and the church to pray, to get down on their knees and pray. In fact, I read this awesome Billy Graham quote the other day, and it said, to get nations back on their their feet, we must first get down on our knees. The power of prayer, the effectiveness of prayer is absolutely phenomenal. And we can learn a lesson from this. And I honestly, I don't have anything against these organizations that have formed to in, in, you know, inform Christians of what's going on politically, to give them advice into which candidates to vote for and all of this kind of stuff. I have nothing against them. But as long as it doesn't bypass the most important thing that Christians can do, and that is to pray. You know, it's all very well to write to our government, to write to our representatives and to plead our case and to sign petitions and all of that kind of thing. But I do believe that that is leaning on our own understanding. You know, God says to trust in him with all of our heart and to lean not on our own understanding and in all of our ways to acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. So unless we get specific instructions from God to petition people or to write to people or to plead our case in the government, I I honestly believe, and I mean no offense by this at all, I honestly believe that those things are ineffective because God says that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. And the only way that we can fight supernatural battles is with supernatural weapons. And that's why Paul is telling Timothy to pray. Prayer is the most powerful and effective weapon and resource that we have to make a difference in our government, to make a difference in our nation. And see, in those days, in the days that Paul was writing to Timothy, they had a Caesar. Okay, so Nero was the Caesar. These days we have kings, we have queens, we have presidents, prime ministers, and then we have other areas of of authority, like the lower levels of government, you know, the House of Representatives, the Congress, the Senate, depending on which country you come from, you have different forms of government. But basically, it's kings and all in authority. So it's all the way down to schools where teachers have authority in a classroom and in families where parents have authority over a family. And these are all of the levels of authority that we are praying for when we pray for kings and all in authority. I'm not sure if you're familiar. There's a man named Lance Wallnau. Lance Wallnau, W-A-L-L-N-A-U, and he is a brilliant, brilliant teacher of the word, and he has a lot of insight into government affairs and what's going on uh, in the governments, particularly in America, and how it aligns with end-time prophecy and all of those kind of things. But he's identified seven mountains of influence in our society. He's identified that we have seven mountains from which all of our society is influenced. So we have the government, we have the education system, we have the economy, we have the media, arts and entertainment industries, we have the churches, and we have the family units. And those seven areas are the seven mountains from which all of the influence that's placed on our society stems. And if you want any more information on this, I encourage you to go to his website. It's www.lancewallnow.com. 
Okay, lancewallnow.com. And he's got some awesome information and articles and things on this subject. But what I want to bring out of that is that there are seven mountains of influence that really affect what's going on in our society. And we can change the entire face of our nation if we will devote ourselves to praying over these seven main areas of our society and all in authority in these areas. So if you think about it, the government, the government would include a president or a prime minister, as is our case here in Australia. We have a prime minister or a president or a king or a, I can't think of what else on top, off the top of my head, people who are in charge of a country. Um, and then that would include all of the lower levels of government. So either a house of representatives or a Senate or a Congress or, you know, whatever the lower levels of government are in your country. And then you have the education system. So the education system includes universities and colleges and schools any other body of education that would be included in the education system and then the economy so the treasury department or you know whoever governs and manages the financial affairs of your nation which all of course ultimately affect us and then we have the media arts and entertainment industry so hollywood the movie industry the tv industry and as you know those those areas are hugely influential in the message that is getting across to the people in the nation particularly children children's television that includes theater that includes um, the computer game industry anything to do with media arts or entertainment is included in that um, that category and then you have the churches so obviously churches are very influential in our nation so what the pastors are preaching the things that they're allowing the moral issues that they're condoning or not condoning all are affected by the people that are in government or in authority rather in the churches and then we have the family units so parents what are parents teaching their children or guardians you know the people who have children and and people under their guardianship what are they teaching the people that are under them those seven mountains that Lance Wallner has identified the bleed on effect from all of those areas pretty much encompasses everything that goes on in a nation and so I believe that those are the seven areas that we can target when we pray when we pray for our nation we can just cover each of those seven areas of our society in our prayers and then we've basically got it all covered so you know you don't need to go into long lengthy prayers I identifying each individual person I mean of course you can if if that if you feel that that's what God's placed on your heart to do but don't let yourself feel overwhelmed by the enormity of how much we have to pray for if we just mention those seven areas and all in authority in those areas and dedicate those areas to prayer we've covered all of it all of the areas that affect our nation and you might have a specific area in the country that you're from that you may want to include in that but just in on a general basis those are the seven areas the seven mountains so notice that Paul is telling Timothy that first of all he's urging Timothy that first of all that prayers 
petitions, intercession be made for all men, for kings and all in authority. He really emphasizes that first of all. Why would he say first of all? Again, because the things that go on in our nation affect our lives. And so we can help make our lives more peaceable and quiet by praying for kings and all in authority. So every time we pray, and I personally believe before we pray for our finances, before we pray for our health, before we pray over our families, we should be praying first of all for kings and all in authority. Why? So that we can live a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. We should be praying first of all for our nation because what goes on in our nation affects our finances. It affects our health. It affects our families. It affects the way we live our life, our Christian life. So it kind of makes sense that we should be going to the source of all of the things that affect our life and praying over that first. So again, does the kind of government and do the kind of people in positions of authority in our nation affect the way we live our lives? The answer is yes, of course. So what are the benefits? Why do we? Why does Paul urge Timothy to pray first of all for kings and all in authority? Okay, so it's not just, well, you know, this should be your first priority because what comes down the line will affect you eventually. And that's true and it does. But let's break that down a little bit more and find out what the benefits are of praying for our nation first of all. Number one, because governments and people in authority are the ones that make the laws and legislation. They hold the power to make and change laws that either support or suppress the practice of Christianity and the preaching of the gospel and upholding moral biblical values. Okay, the governments are the ones that get the final say in whether a law is passed or not passed. So, of course, you want a godly person in power You want godly moral people in positions of power so that they will support the freedom of worshiping God. They will support moral godly values in your country. And even if they're not godly people, even if they're not Christians, you want people who aren't opposed to the preaching of the gospel. You want people who aren't going to Uh, try and resist the gospel from being preached or people from voicing their moral beliefs in their nation. Jeremiah 29 verse 7 says, pray for the peace and prosperity of your city because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So again, we've just finished talking about how everything that happens in our nation eventually affects us. And here Jeremiah is saying, pray for the peace and prosperity of your city because if your city is prosperous, if your city is peaceful, you too will prosper and have peace. And that ties straight in with that scripture in 2 Timothy that says that the reason we pray for the kings and all in authority is so that we can live a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. Ideally, praying for those in authority would lead us to having godly Christian people in positions of power, but even if they're not Christians, again, we still want laws and legislation that support the freedom of worshiping God and preaching the gospel. 
So that's the first really important reason that I could identify as to why praying for our nation is so important. Number two, this is really awesome too. I just discovered this when I was studying this out. The second reason why praying for our nation is so important is because praying for our nation unites us. The Bible says that a house divided against itself shall fall. And you would know in your country, and I know here in Australia, we have many different churches, many different doctrines, many different faiths, many different interpretations or revelations of what scripture means. However, do you know what unites all of us? Prayer. Praying for our nation unites us. It unites the church. And instead of debating and arguing over who is right and who is wrong, we can be united in our common goal of praying for our nation so that we can worship God freely and the gospel can be preached freely in our nation. We can employ the church's real power, which is the power of prayer. And every single church that I know of in existence believes in prayer. And so prayer can unite us and we can see major, amazing, massive things take place when we unite together on common ground and that is praying for our nation. I'd like to share a story with you about just how effective this is in what I've just said. And that is the fall of the Berlin Wall. Now, I was just a kid when the Berlin Wall came down, so I don't remember any of the details around it. But you who are older may remember what happened and the amazing historical significant event that it was when the Berlin Wall fell. Now, I'm going to share a story with you. And I did a bit of research when I was studying out this podcast into major historical events that were influenced by prayer and I found this story and it was just amazing and I'd like to share it with you. So if you don't know the Berlin Wall had been built in 1961 by the German Democratic Republic to keep what they called the Western German fascists from entering into East Germany and undermining the socialist state but primarily it served to prevent people from performing mass escapes from communist East Germany into the free democracy of West Germany. So what was happening is that East Germany became communist and a lot of the um, skilled workers, the professionals and the intellectuals were fleeing from East Germany into West Germany and the whole uh, economic viability of the East German state was in great danger. So basically, in response, East Germany built the Berlin Wall to close off the East Germans' access to West Germany. And it really tore the country apart. Families were separated. There were several people who tried to um, climb the wall and get across into West Germany. I think it was around 5,000 people were captured by East German authorities attempting to cross the wall. And in addition to that, 191 more were killed actually trying to cross the wall. So it was a terrible thing. And the wall stood for 28 years until the 9th of November 1989, when the head of the East German Communist Party announced that East Germans could cross the border whenever they pleased. Now, it was a great victory for democracy and for freedom, but a little known fact is that in the early 1980s, okay, so nine years or so before the wall came down, an East German pastor whose name was Christian Führer, that's actually quite a 
appropriate name, Christian Führer, started a Monday night prayer meeting where a handful of Christians prayed for peace in their freedom-starved country. The prayer meeting started attracting people of all denominations and demonstrators, both Christian and non-Christian. Until by 1989, the group had swelled to over 70,000 people. Then on the night of October 9th, 1989, which was a month before the war came down, a church service was held as usual, which was followed by a demonstration in which these thousands of protesters marched around Leipzig. They were absolutely terrified that the Soviet tanks would crush their freedom demonstration just like they had in Tiananmen Square in China and in demonstrations in Hungary and Czechoslovakia. Even the hospitals started stockpiling extra blood in anticipation of the carnage that would probably happen. But this time it was different. No Soviet tanks showed up and the Berlin Wall came down. This event led to the fall of communism in countries all across Eastern Europe. And it all started with a small group of Christians committed to pray for their nation. It didn't matter that they were from different denominations or beliefs. They were united in prayer. Praying for our nation unites us. It doesn't matter whether you're pre-trib, post-trib. It doesn't matter that you know you believe that in the holy trinity but another person doesn't it doesn't matter whether you believe in speaking or tongues or you don't believe in speaking in tongues it doesn't matter praying for our nation unites us it gives us a common ground a common purpose so that is the second reason why praying for our nation is so important and number three When we are praying for something, we are keeping our mind stayed on God and his word. And the result is perfect peace. Now, I mentioned last week that two things I've noticed about the political turmoil that's going on in the world today. One, either Christians are becoming passive and thinking it's all too much. It's all too hard. We just got to sit by and let things go, you know, flow their natural course. There's nothing we can do. It's all too far gone. The devil has completely overcome overtaken the world what what can we possibly do about it and they've become passive and apathetic or two Christians are becoming absolutely outraged aggressive angry it's eating them up it seems that you know all of the injustice the moral dilemmas that are going on people are becoming so angry and outraged by it all and offended but God says that when we keep our minds stayed on the word the result will be perfect peace. And we can keep our minds stayed on the word concerning our nation. The same way we keep our, our mind on the word concerning our health, our finances, or any other area of our lives, we should be keeping our minds stayed on the word concerning our nation. And the result of that will be perfect peace. So we won't be apathetic. We won't feel frustrated. We won't feel outraged and offended if we hear that something has taken place. We won't get all up in arms and put out when we hear that some law has been passed or some decision that has been made that is in opposition to the word, we won't be moved. Why? Because we have our mind stayed on the word concerning our nation. We won't be moved by what we see, what we hear, or how we feel. We will only be moved by what we believe and we believe the word. The righteous live by faith. 
That's in every area of our lives. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith concerning their finances. The just shall live by faith concerning their health. The just shall live by faith concerning their children. The just shall live by faith concerning their nation. We are not to be moved by what we see, hear, or feel. We believe the word and God's word never fails. So praying for our nation, praying the word of God over our nation, declaring what God God says about our nation, resisting the devil, binding the enemy that's trying to steal, kill and destroy in our nation, keeps our mind stayed on the word. And the result is that we are in perfect peace. We will be kept in a place of quiet peace and confidence, knowing that we are fighting the fight of faith on the plane where the real battle is taking place. And that is in the supernatural. So When we pray for our nation, when we pray over our country, our leaders and all in authority, we are not moved by what we see, hear or feel because our mind, our mouth, our eyes are are locked in on God's promises concerning our nation. And number four, in verse four of 2 Timothy, it says that praying for kings and all in authority results in believers being able to live a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Okay, so let's break this down a little bit. The reason we pray for kings and all in authority is so that we can live a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. Why? Because this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Good government is the will of God. Why is it the will of God? Because God desires that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 reiterates this and it says in 2 Peter 3 verse 9 that the Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. But the only way that all men are going to be saved and not perish and come to repentance is if the gospel is preached to them unhindered. And of course they have a a choice whether to accept it or reject the gospel but they can't make that decision the holy spirit can't speak to them through the word of god unless the word of god is being preached and in order for the gospel to be preached freely good government is necessary and good government is the result of praying for kings and all in authority Well, that's all we have time for this week. Next week, we're going to continue this lesson and talk about how to pray. What is the right way to pray for our nation, for all in authority? And how can we be effective in our prayers from the comfort of our own home? We don't have to go to the streets. We don't have to go marching around and pleading our case with placards and billboards and trying to get people to see our point of view. We can simply take our battle to our bedroom to our prayer closet wherever you have your prayer time and you can be an effective 
change agent in your nation simply through your prayers. So I hope you're learning something from these podcasts. If you have any questions or comments about what we've been learning, please write me an email questions at faithtalks.com.au. If you have any examples of the way that prayer has impacted or changed your nation or your community or whatever environment you live in, if you have any stories, I would really love to hear from you. I'd love to share those to illustrate what I'm talking about. Please send them through to me at questions at faithtalks.com.au and lastly if you would like a copy of confessions for life which are scriptural declarations that you can pray over the different areas of your life including your nation there's a whole page dedicated to declarations of faith for your nation again just drop me an email or you can dm me on facebook or instagram as well so until next time stay blessed i know you are remember that god loves you he's for you he's never against you and that You are an overcomer in every area of your life because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode of Faith Talks. If you have any questions related to today's or any of my previous episodes, if you have a testimony you would like to share, or for a free copy of Confessions for Life, please email me at questions at faithtalks.com.au. For episode announcements and regular encouragement, you can now find Faith Talks with Emily Preston on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from today's or any of my previous teachings, please share this podcast with them and help them receive revelation of the truth that will make them free. Until next time, know that I am praying for you and don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And you will be blessed in everything that you do. God bless you.